Brain Injury Today is sponsored by the Washington State Traumatic Brain Injury Council and produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. This is a time that everyone has the most amazing opportunity to be able to sit back and think about how do I want to put my life back together that's going to be the best for me. I want to welcome you all to another episode of Brain Injury Today, your connection to the brain injury community. I'm Deborah Crawley, Executive Director for the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington. And today I get the pleasure of welcoming back one of our community members, um, subject matter experts, and one of my favorite people, Lori Weissman. Hi, Lori. Hi, Deborah. I'm so happy to be back here again with you. Thank you. Lori is a counselor who specializes in working with couples in particular, where one of the individuals has had a brain injury and um, really has done so much work over 40 years of working with the brain injury community. So she brings just a wealth of knowledge and information. Today, we're going to talk about brain injury survivors and fatigue and how it relates as we are now in a point of re-entering life post-pandemic. The pandemic has obviously been so difficult on so many levels, but a benefit has for many folks been that they have been able to stay home, um, less stimulation, uh, less obligations, and now the world is opening up again. So Lori, you brought this idea to us and I just jumped on it, of course, with the idea of how do we support the healthiest process for kind of moving back into a fully engaged world? Yes, I, <clears throat> this idea came to me um, last month when I was talking to one of my brain injured clients, and we were talking about this exact topic. And it was so clear to me that this is a really important opportunity for people with brain injuries to really um, grab onto. Mm-hmm. Because as we all know, um, before the pandemic, everyone was struggling with managing going to work, social obligations, going to concerts, going to movie theaters. Well, all that in a moment was taken away, of course. And there was two reactions to it. One was a sense of relief, like, oh, good. Now I don't have to explain to people what's going Mm -hmm. on. I can stay in my own bubble. Mm -hmm. And then the other was, oh my gosh, so much has changed all at the same time, you know, all at once. So they were dealing with not only the adjustments to their brain injury, but then just everything being taken away suddenly. So it was good news, bad news. Right. And now we're, you know, over a year post pandemic. And what I've learned as all of my therapy has been on Zoom is that um, my clients have shared with me that there's a sense of freedom that when they are engaging socially, they can 
turn the video off or mute it for a while or lay down while they're talking <laughs> if they get overstimulated, which is really a great option, right? Right, exactly. Um, but now we're talking about the world's opening up. You know, there's going to be expectations from family members, socially, work. Maybe they're being asked to go back to work. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is a time that everyone has the most amazing opportunity to be able to sit back and think about what's important to me now, first, first and foremost, you know, for people to really look at what their values are. Um, and then second, and also very important, you know, how do I want to put my life back together that's going to be the best for me? That's going to be the best for me in terms of my fatigue level, in terms of maximizing my <clears throat> cognitive functioning, mm -hmm. that they don't have to go run back and do it the way they did pre, you know, before the pandemic. We all, brain injured or not, have this opportunity to say, how do I want to um, put my life back together? And I like people to think about this as like a glass mosaic, you know, you've got all this broken pieces of glass in front of you. And then one by one, you pick up a piece of glass and you put it together and you create obviously a beautiful flower or something, but this is how I would like people to think about it. What pieces are you going to pick up and what picture are you going to create that you are now going to call your life that really supports maximum functioning and meets your highest needs? Mm -hmm. You know, that whole piece of prioritizing what's important, like, how do I even figure that out now? Right? Because I'm I have this new normal, I'm going through the day. Um, some is working great, some isn't. But I guess it's that it's like, how do you identify those pieces that are working great? You know, is it a, a list? Are we making list of like, I love this? And or this hasn't been so great. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna look to you. And I'm gonna take my own little notes, because <laughs> this is true. It's like, you know, this is, I think we're all in a place of what does life look after this epidemic, right? So we all, and the idea of what you said at the end is the best, you know, what's the best vision of that. So how do you kind of figure this out? Well, as I mentioned a little bit ago, I really do think the most important thing is what are my top three values? Mm -hmm. And because I believe once we are clear on what our top three values are, our choices are all informed by that. Mm -hmm. So for example, if your top value is to have family time, then you want to be able to think about what kind of <clears throat> reserves you have throughout the day and how are you gonna make time for that in your schedule or calendar? If one of your top values is having meaningful work or volunteering, then you know you mm -hmm. you look at your schedule and um, see where you can put that. If you're putting things on your calendar that are not in line with your top values, I encourage you to really look at that because if anything has come out of this pandemic, because I hear this consistently consistently now is, wow, now I know what really matters. Mm -hmm. Wow, I really do miss X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And so 
I want everyone to really begin to think of that and to go at their own pace when they're beginning to identify how they want their life to look. Because when we go at our own pace, we have a sense of control of mm -hmm. our life. And this will help um, build a sense of confidence as we move forward. Um, I think another strategy that's really helpful is when you think about what it is you want to do um, and what matters to you, take a moment to kind of think it through. Right. Kind of imagine like, okay, if I go through the day and I go see my friends and family and then I go for a walk, um, how do I imagine myself feeling physically, emotionally and cognitively? And if you have come to a place where you know yourself well enough to say, yeah, probably after all those activities, I need to take a nap, then you begin to structure your day in that way. But I really can't stress enough that if you know what matters to you the most, it will always inform you of your choices. And as we know, pacing is critical for everyone. Right. Um, because when you know you become fatigued, um, you're not going to be able to really engage. You'll be overstimulated much easier. So, you know, this is an opportunity to take what you've learned. It's kind of like everything was wiped out, and you were just yeah. kind of this little bubble. And now you can pick and choose. Okay, what do I want to start adding back in? And maybe just add it back in one at a time and see. Okay, how does yeah. that feel? Right. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, that felt good. Now let's try one more thing. Right. Pace yourself. There's no need to rush back into it. It's still going to be slow as we all reintegrate back. Um, and reentry is going to look different for every single one of us. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it is that, I think a couple of things that you said. So what are my values? And I think what's like number one is, what works best for me? Like, how do I value myself? Because that's always been the struggle, I think, for a lot of folks, whether brain injured or not, is if I think about value myself at the top, and what, what then, you know, supports that, like when you said, yeah, family time, that supports it. But for me also, yeah, that alone time, like, you know, taking a walk, might actually be a higher value at certain times than going to see my, I have adult children at this point. So, you know, spending time with my adult children, because I need to get that in to first take care of myself. So I'm in a better place to take care of them. So in, in individuals with brain injuries, I mean, that's all a lot of everything there is stimulation. So it's taking a nap, like when you said, but again, that's valuing myself first so that, and I think that's hard for folks um, anyone, but I, you know, in our brain injury community, it is that idea of letting yourself, what you said, knowing yourself, but letting that be your guide because of the pressure to try and be all I was before the brain injury. So now I have the pandemic, it got pulled back. I might be functioning a little better during all of this, just because of all of this stuff that's been pushed, right? It's stimulation, not as much day-to-day, -day, not as many people, but now I need to say, okay, how do I bring that in? And I have to value myself first. It's hard. It's hard to know what my values are. It's hard to choose. 
super hard when I have people think about this, including myself, I did this exercise and I really gave myself, you know, a good week or two of really thinking mm -hmm. into it. Yeah. Um, so I encourage everyone, you know, don't do this in two minutes. Yeah. Just kind of sit with it and there's no right or wrong. Right. You know, and just kind of write it down. Nothing is in stone, of course. Right. And the idea of valuing ourselves, you know, that's a whole nother topic for a podcast. <laughs> However, I think we all have, we all struggle with it. We don't like yeah. disappointing people. We're right. We're going to be angry. We're afraid people that won't love us or they'll leave us. I mean, these are all kind of across the board, human fears that we all share. They're, they're not, you know, just unique to certain people. We all have them yeah. and we play them out differently. And what I want to say about that is no, is a complete sentence. <laughs> no, never told me that before. I'm telling I you now. know that <laughs> the word no is a complete sentence. And it takes, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable when you do something new and you begin to prioritize and know what's important to you right. and you say, no, I want everyone listening to know that it's going to be uncomfortable. And that is perfect because that means you're on the right track and you're growing. Mm -hmm. If you're not uncomfortable, that means you're staying in your old comfort zone of what really hasn't worked. Yeah. So really so just know it's it's not easy to say no however you can get more comfortable with it when you can tolerate allowing people to have their feelings about what you do and don't do and stay the course because what i know about life is that when we are in alignment with ourselves we will feel like we have meaning and purpose it's when we are out of alignment in other words, not in line with our values, that we struggle with depression and frustration and fatigue because mm -hmm. we're, we're not really on that path. And the other thing I wanna mention, cause this is really important. The pandemic has given us an opportunity to do telehealth and telemedicine. Right, yeah. And it's really a godsend for so many people. It takes the stress out of traveling to get to medical appointments. Um, you know, you don't have to sit in traffic. You can just show up, you know, at your home in the comfort of your own home. And so I want to encourage everybody to continue to do that. Yeah. I think those are some of the, I mean, those are some of the things that the world after the pandemic will, will keep some of these things that have been beneficial and good and will lose some that have really, you know, constrained us to the point of, you know, not allowing for growth or, you know, really fulfilling all of those things that we need. And so, you know, you talked about some of the different values. And then I, I did like what you said at the very beginning. And I think this is a really good process for folks is, is the one at a time, you know, do one and wait, you know, it's hard too. I mean, I'm just conflicted by some of what you're saying, Lori, because it's like, I'd want to do all but I want to do one at a time. And it's a prioritization we're going back to. So even if I get my values, I got to prioritize within that. Yes. And of course, as we all know, every day is different with brain injury. Yes, absolutely. And, and so it's being reminded of that resilience and flexibility we need to have. 
mm-hmm. um, not just the person with the brain injury, but family members and spouses. And, you know, you bring up an interesting point and, you know, we just don't know enough about it yet, but what I'm learning is that, you know, we're developing physical immunity, but during the pandemic, there's been a lot of fear that people have felt around their safety, obviously. And so there's still a lot of anxiety for people going out to be around people. Yes. And there's again, no right or wrong. And some people are more comfortable than others. Um, And so there's going to be an adjustment of that also, you know, just how safe do I feel? And do I still want to stay at home? And if I do go out, how many people do I want to be around? And who are these people? And I just want everyone that is listening to know that you know, do what's comfortable for you. This is, we're all learning. No one really knows any more than the other person. Um, I'm learning along with everyone else. I've been in this boat with everyone else. And so re-entry also um, includes just the um, physical safety because our brains have been trained to not feel safe now. Uh, this whole year, we're on yeah. high, we're not safe. You got your mask, don't touch this, sanitize your hands. Um, so now we're, we're going back into the world and we, we all need to find a way to feel, to kind of calm that threat response down in our brain. Uh-huh. It's a real thing. Yeah. As well as tending to what do I want to put on my plate? <laughs> right. And, and for, you know, the community we work with, that's big processing stuff. So, it's right. It's huge. Huge. It's huge. And this is probably a lot of what people were doing before, but what's different is so much has been taken away that, that everyone can be so much more selective. Right. And that's the opportunity that's in front of us right now. And I just, I just want people to really be mindful of this right now. It's like, okay. And because we know every day is different, you can't predict fatigue. Planning's hard. Planning is right hard. So that's because, because it's kind of when you were talking, I was thinking, well, Lori's a big fan of calendars. So people are going to plan out a week, right? Because knowing, hopefully knowing themselves, you know, little, little pieces of, okay, this is what I can do if we start looking at next week and make a plan. And even though the plan was there and it was all laid out, you can still say on that day and that time, no. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's just paste it on your forehead. No, (laughs) you know, because everyone knows that so many people don't really understand the fatigue and why you can't out to a noisy restaurant or um, a noisy family gathering, you know, people try to understand, but it's not their fault, but they just can't. Right. And, you know, it's, it's hard enough for each person to understand and remember that, you know, their brain has changed. So um, especially now uh, there's in a way, a little more pressure, right? Even if it's the video and I, and of course, what you said is absolutely true. You can turn off the monitor, you can just listen in and all that, but there is kind of, I, I sense kind of, there's a little more pent up pressure. And I think this is a hard one again, Lori, is one, you have to value yourself and then you do have to take the time and know there'll be other opportunities. 
Yes. I mean, you know, here's the issue of grief, right? Because when you say no, there's loss. Yeah. It's like, oh, I wanted to go, you know, to the Easter brunch, you know? And, um, and so um, when sometimes you put yourself first, you do have to experience the loss of what, Mm -hmm. you know, you're saying no to. Right. Um, But I can tell you that as you practice making yourself a priority, yeah, the way that you feel inside will begin to shift. It's kind of counterintuitive to most people, but you'll begin to feel, you know, like a real sense of, oh, I can choose and I'm in charge. Yeah. And people aren't going to be mad at me. And if they are, that's right. about them than it is me. I mean, you know, if they're mad, they're mad. Like what's wrong? What's making it difficult for them to understand? Right. Um, and often when people don't know how to make themselves a pri- priority, they're not going to understand why you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and if people are in relationships or have a, a family um, support system, you know, really, you know, explain to them, I'm going to really practice putting myself first. And that right. means I may be saying no more often, but I'm practicing something different and asking for their support and understanding. Yeah. Great idea. Right. As, as things are opening, like lay the foundation now, because right, we're at this cusp of a change mm-hmm. and everything you said about you know what does the opportunity for conscious reentry look like and it is that idea of you know set yourself up for success so right so talk about it with family talk about it with friends this is something I'm going to be trying I'm going to take a week to think about it I love that idea Lori because I was one of those people who was immediate, like, okay, what are my top three values? I better figure them out right now while Lori's yeah, no. chatting. I have to know. And it's like, I don't know if I know. Well, and also if um, you are in a relationship, I encourage you to do that as a couple. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you're not the same people. You may have different values, but it's, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if you're way on the opposite ends, it could be a deal breaker, but most of the time it's not. And it's really good to have a conversation as a couple. What are the values we put at the top? And that can be different than what you, you put for yourself individually. And if you're not in a relationship, you can do it with friends. You can do it mm-hmm. with family members. Um, if you have a support group, but um, you know, it's something that, and it changes, it, it can change over time. Like, yeah, some, some people say, you know, my spiritual faith, my faith is really important to me now. And I want to be part of a, a religious community or a church or a synagogue. And so people are now moving towards that. So take time to think about it. You know, it could be <clears throat> values as it relates to, you know, your spiritual values, your family values, your relationship right. values. So you just gave us a couple listing there of a couple things to be thinking about. Thank you, Lori. Yes. Family, relationship, spiritual, personal, you know, some people um, think about their creativity and want oh, yeah. to write or paint. Yeah, or, right. Exactly. Um, you mentioned work before. That's another one is 
those who are either working or volunteering, where does that fit in? So I think those are all, I think the creativity, I'm glad you mentioned that because I know that's, that's, a, that's a core value for a lot of folks I know. It's an essence of who they are, right? And so I, I guess if you think about it that way of what's, you know, what makes you who you are, those are all important. And I have learned this last year with uh, many of my clients, because being at home, mm -hmm. they discovered things about themselves. And I'm thinking of two in particular that said, yeah, I just started painting and I, and I'm, I love it. And I'm so good at it. And they've never picked up a paintbrush in their life. Mm, that's great. And so think about like, did you learn something about yourself in this last year? And mm -hmm. what do you want to bring that forward mm -hmm. this next year? Mm-hmm. Right. So now you have to make room for maybe some new things, right? And Which, I hope that's true. I hope that's true for people. You too. I think everyone, it's going to be an interesting kind of transitionary time, right? Everything you just talked about. And thank you for bringing up. And, and if folks are, are listening in for the first time or the second time, it's a nice to perhaps reflect on the other episode we did on ambiguous loss. That's a very important thing. What you just said I, is, is the ability to say no and the way you phrased it, Lori, and put it together of the fear of loss, but understanding that it's, if you take yourself, it's really where are the other people at? There's only so many things we all can control, especially when you're dealing with any type of, you know, thing that, brings you a challenge often on a daily basis what can you control people struggle with saying no because you know again this is all normal it's not anything that's right. but people like don't want to have conflict so they avoid right. it right? right and um it's very protective except that it ends up you know kind of blowing up eventually so you know, what I'm speaking about, I want everyone to, to know and hear is it's, it's not like just flipping a switch, you're going to say no, it's a process mm -hmm. of developing what you've heard me before the emotional muscle to tolerate the tension of, you know, your feelings when you say no, and other people's feelings and staying engaged with that. Mm -hmm. So I want people to know that it takes practice, mm -hmm. um, motivation to want to put yourself first. And, um, and really when we do, we have so much more to offer, um, the people that matter to us. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a better outcome for folks to be thoughtful about their reintegration, to be thoughtful about what does my life look in two months, one month, you know, as things open up that I'm able to be the best I can be at that point and also the practice, right? So this isn't a, not a one size fits all. It may be fluid and it needs to be fluid, but you're, if we all just practice and kind of revisit what are, you know, even next month, what are my values? How's this working out for me? What did I try? What, what was good? What did I decide? Yeah, I'm going to wait for that, you know, because that might be it. Folks be, might be like, I'm going to try this. And then they come back and they're like, nope, not yet. Not ready for that. <laughs> just and, you know, the other thing I want to add to what you're saying is people can ask themselves these questions. The first one is, what kind of life do I want to create for myself? What does it look like? Mm -hmm. And then the next question is, what will I have to change in me to have that? And the next question is, what would my obstacles be? 
And then the last one is, what's my level of motivation from one to a hundred? Cool. And if you are at a 10, you're not going to get much done. Okay. <laughs> because you need a higher level of motivation to be able to start saying no. All right. It's like going to the gym. You know, we can't just stand outside and look inside and we're going to get a workout. We have to be motivated enough to go in and do the workout. And so um, if you ask yourself those four questions, you know, what do uh -huh. I want my life to look like? What will I need to change in me, not others, in me to have that? What, if any, are my obstacles in having that? And what's my level of motivation? I think those, those are great, like kind of little centering, long-term, useful little tools for us all to have available. So we've taught, so we're actually coming close to the end of our little session here already. Wow. I think we just, we just started. Are there any other things for this topic that you kind of want to put a nice little bow on it for us, Lori, in, in the way you always do? I just want people to know that they can set up their life in a way that works for them mm -hmm. in terms of pacing, not, you know, hitting the wall of incredible fatigue Right. Able to maximize their cognitive functioning. And they just need to develop the ability to tolerate people sometimes not liking their no. <laughs> um, but the result of saying no is it's counterintuitive, but your relationships will be stronger and you'll have more intimacy in your relationships and you'll feel better about yourself. Yeah, because you're not going to feel like the, you're getting yanked around by everything. And so I just want everyone to really like think long and hard about what we yeah. talked about today, values, the questions that I just went through. Um, and I want to really stress that it's not like anyone can just sit down and poof, magic, you're doing no. it. No, it's yeah. a process, but it, this will give people things to think about mm -hmm. and a way to think about their re-entry, not just physical safety, but psychological and emotional safety. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think going back to the real reason this started is, yeah, this is an opportunity and things are moving forward. So having, having the control over how it moves forward and feeling that and, and having a plan, I guess, you know, that's what you're really good at, you know, the process, the plan for how that happens it is, as you said, the gift, you know, and I, I really hope, I, I really believe folks listening to this session with you, Lori, have a lot more tools and a lot more ways of, of, of going through it and of thinking about it and planning for it and making it happen. So that's a great thing. I wanted to touch on one more piece that you had mentioned and just kind of, um, we're not going to be able to get into it deep today, but just some thoughts that you had, had brought up at the beginning and of some of the other work that you do, in particular with couples, right? And how, just some thoughts about that, because folks listening in um, always learn a little more from you. And I, I think this is a, a, a really important piece of the work you do. Um, yes, as many of you heard me say before, the brain injury happens to the family members and the spouse. 
um, not just the person that was injured. And so I have a lot of feelings and passion for meeting that need. Mm-hmm. So I do have a expertise in couples counseling. So I've decided to really focus on providing that support to this population. Mm-hmm. And I have a unique way of working with people now, which is much more effective and efficient, um, which is two-day intensives where I just work with one couple. Um, And um, I keep in mind the, um, obviously the fatigue and Mm -hmm. stimulation. So I have an opportunity to work with the spouse, but it's a great opportunity for everyone to get everything in one little package where they can get education and resources. Cause I'm so well connected in the brain injury community. And people sometimes are floundering of like, Oh, I didn't know I needed vision therapy. Oh, who do I go to? Or right. <laughs> right? right. Right. So, and then I help people learn effective communication skills to navigate through this. And so you can get that all in two days instead of dragging it out a whole year for weekly sessions. Mm-hmm. And I have found it to be um, a, a game changer in terms of therapy for couples. So um, I just want people to know that that's an option for them. And we're going to have all your contact information available on the show notes for folks who are, are looking for that as an option of a way to connect with you. Um, but of course, we love that you just shared another wonderful, you know, s- skill set and thought process and, and way to support our larger community. And that's the gift you give to us in the brain injury community. Whenever we have you on, Lori is, is sharing that, that powerful knowledge and experience. You know, as I said at the beginning, um, which you just let me know, I didn't know, 40 years of working in the brain injury community, you really are tuned in. I'm really thankful for folks like you sharing your time and your expertise with our community. And so on behalf of all of us at the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington and Brain Injury Today, I want to thank you for being part of today's session, Lori, and um, hope we are able to chat again soon. Thank you. I hope that people were able to get one little pearl and that would be a successful listening experience. Uh, I just love being able to um, talk with you and contribute. So thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Brain Injury Today. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. Give us a rating and share the podcast with your friends and family. And as always, you can find support by calling 877-982-4292, the Brain Injury Resource Line, or by visiting biawa.org.